And so I went into this audition and I sang the song and the people who were casting the show, their, their jaws dropped and they're like, Oh, Oh my God. Um, yeah. So we'll, we'll get back to you. Lo and behold, I get cast. <laughs> that song becomes the finale for that cabaret. And that became the moment that a lot of my classmates got to see what I'm capable of doing. Get ready for brilliant people, brilliant ideas, and a regular good time. This is Brilliant Thoughts with Success People editor Tristan Almada, the show that thinks about how personalities, relationships, and communication shape business success. And now here he is, Tristan Almada. All right, so this one was a really fun one. If you've heard of Disney's Aladdin, you're going to love this one. I know I grew up with Aladdin, watching it, I think, like, I don't know, 15 times in the theater when it came out. Well, this one is for the Broadway production, and we've got the lead. Her name is Shoba Narayan. She plays Jasmine in Aladdin. I had a whole bunch of questions for her. She has an amazing story. You're going to enjoy this because we focus all on her all on her leading up to getting this role and just showing her amazing mindset. You're going to have fun on this one. I sure did. Welcome back to another episode of Brilliant Thoughts, a success podcast. And today I have somebody pretty cool here. I don't know if you've heard of the show here on Broadway, Aladdin, but we've got Shoba Narayan. Welcome. This is going to be a fun one. Hey, Tristan. <laughs> so you just finished doing a whole show. How long did that take? Oh, my gosh. I, I think we started at three and we ended right before six. So right before we started talking. We got out of well, costume very quickly. and Three hours straight? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we had a, so we, we stopped for 15 minutes for intermission. But um, yeah, this was the first time really we went from start to finish with as little, you know, breaks as possible for any sort of mishaps that might have happened. So I know the show now. It's happening. <laughs> when's, the, when's the big day? The big day. So we, I, we have two big days. One is on Sunday. We have our invited dress rehearsal. So that'll be the first time that audience some... Uh, it's, it's not an, an official show, like a ticketed event. We have like family and friends coming in just so we can get it on its feet and do it once before we reopen. So that's going to be on Sunday. And then on Tuesday, okay. it's our official reopening night with, um, you know, a lot of special people in the audience and it's going to be pretty epic. That's super cool. Are you a little nervous, anxious? Yeah. You know, um, I feel like this past week, uh, things have really been ramping up. So up until I want to say like four days ago, we were rehearsing in a studio and we didn't have costumes. We didn't have lights. There was no orchestra. There was no backstage traffic. Um, and this week, it's just so many technical elements are being thrown in that are so, mm -hmm. I mean, that are so important. That is how the show is going to be. It's just digesting that information so quickly. Um, that is, that can be a little overwhelming at times, but for me, as I, I know how I learn, as long as I have repetition and, and I'm like physically doing it in the space, I, I feel a lot better. So today was huge for me to be able to go from start to finish with all of the elements and have it That's go cool. smoothly. Um, I feel, I feel really good now. I love that. Yeah. 
All right. So tell me about the show first, because people that are listening in, they're like, okay, Aladdin, the the Broadway show was out before, then there was a pause. And what what happened between there? Why is it back now? Why is it back now? Because the world needs live theater. There has been a <laughs> gap does. in our lives. People need to see themselves on stage. They need to be with each other, experiencing something live. Um, having a cathartic experience, having having some joy in their lives, um, having that communication between audience and performer, that needs to happen again. We're at the point where we just we need some levity. We need some. We need to understand like what has been going on in our world, how we can process all these feelings. So I think that is why Broadway is coming back. We all really, really need it. Um, but obviously, yeah, we had to be on pause for 18 months because of the pandemic. Um, it, it was not something that um, could continue to go on given all of the, the, the risks. I mean, being in, in an enclosed space with, you know, 3,000 people um, is, is risky, is super risky. So we took the time to, um, suss out the situation. Everyone is vaccinated. Um, and we're coming back with some strict COVID protocols, uh, which is, which are making us all feel really safe to, to be in this environment and work again. And and we'll also make the audience feel comfortable about coming. So it was a long pause, but it had to be taken. And, um, yeah, we're hopefully coming back stronger than ever. All right. Well, let's talk a little bit about you because we're talking to mainly solopreneurs, entrepreneurs, people listening in. Your journey to where you're at right now hasn't been easy. And I want to talk about that because I want to talk about the hardships and that nobody sees on the back end. The stuff that you have to go through to get to where you're at because I'm assuming it's a lot of hard work and consistency and adaptability and change, which you talked about, right? Adapting so quickly. How did you get started um, on Broadway in general? Is it something you wanted to do as a kid or or how how did you get into this? Absolutely. Um, So I was a very theatrical kid. I started putting on these one woman performances for my family when I was like four years old. It (laughs) consisted largely of Disney songs. It was choreographed, directed, produced by me. I cut out construction paper tickets. I sold them to my family for zero dollars. Um, I had a pre-show speech for no recording, recorded devices, recording devices. Um, <laughs> I, I was like absolutely a show kid. Uh, my That's parents so cool. saw that I had a creative itch, so they started putting me into ballet class and violin. Uh, and then, in parallel to that, they, my parents are um, immigrants from India, and they felt very strongly that I should be in touch with my Indian roots and have have pride in that and have that connection. I'm so glad they did that. They put me in um, classical Indian dance called Bharatanatyam, classical Indian music called Carnatic music. And I kind of yeah. learned the music and dance forms of both the East and the West in parallel growing up. Uh, and as time went on, I added musical theater to the mix. I did my first, I auditioned for my first musical when I was like nine years old um, out of the blue, I, I think I, I got a flyer from my elementary school on my way back from school one day and my mom saw it and she decided to take me to this audition for the King and I, a local production of the King and I. And nice. I, I went in and 
you know, I really have to take a page out of my book at that time in my life because I gave zero shits. I was just having a great time. I was living my best life. I did what they asked me to do, but I had fun with it. And I got the part. I, I booked that role, <laughs> um, which uh, it's it's just funny to think about um, given how many auditions I do in my adulthood and how much rejection we all face. But, you know, it's those auditions where you just go in and you, you're yourself and you do the work and you, there's something... There's something that happens between, you know, the, the right, when you have the right job and you're the right person for it, it just, it just connects in a very special way. So anyway, that happened to me on my first try. So that was great. Um, I did, <laughs> I did the show and it was, it was like a light bulb moment for me because all of my interests in music and dance and theatricality and storytelling all were beautifully woven together in this art form. Um, of musical theater. So, I mean, I uh, was going into rehearsals with so much enthusiasm every day. I knew everyone's lines. I listened to the cast recording re repeatedly. Um, and from that moment on, really, anytime there was a chance for me to be part of a musical theater production, that that was it for me. That was the highlight of my year. And um, I think probably around like middle school, early high school, um, I started to think about, you know, what I wanted to do professionally and, and what I wanted to go to school for. And, um, and my heart was really in the arts and, uh, it, it is, it is a hard business to go into. And there was also like an added, an added challenge of the fact that, um, there, there really was no one like me. There was no one like me in the musical theater arena who was, yeah. who was starring in Broadway shows, who was given, who, who was in the spotlight or who was there to show me that my dreams were possible. So, uh, I bless my parents. They supported me wholeheartedly. I went to a conservatory program up in Boston, um, mm -hmm. and I studied musical theater there. And, you know, throughout that process, while I was getting the training, it, it was still at a time where, like, even my, I, my professors didn't necessarily see me as a lead or see me oh. as more than an ensemble member. Not that there's anything, like, an ensemble, members of an ensemble have the heart, like, the hardest job. It is hmm. absolutely a job that everyone should do, um, utmost respect. I had other aspirations. So it was, it was really hard to get people to kind of see what I want, like what I wanted for myself. And I had this, another light bulb moment. I want to say my senior year of college, it was a dark time of not knowing like where my place would be in the industry. If people would even consider giving me the opportunity of starring in a show Mm -hmm. And I came across this, um, there was a, a posting for uh, an audition at my school for a cabaret. And I don't know, okay. I think I was just, I just threw the rule book out the window and I said, I'm going to an audition for this. There's this pop song that I've been singing nonstop. It is very challenging and 
my, my classmates probably would not expect this out of me, but you know what? I'm just, I'm going to, I'm going to go in and I'm going to sing it. And, um, and that's going to be that. And I don't even know what's going to come out of it, but that's what I'm going to do. What pop song was it? It was who you are by Jesse J. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, and beautiful, beautiful song and gorgeous message. So I went into this audition and I sang the song and the people who were casting the show, their, their jaws dropped and they were like, Oh, Oh my God. Um, yeah. So we'll, we'll get back to you. Lo and behold, I get cast. <laughs> that song becomes the finale for that cabaret. And that became the moment that a lot of my classmates got to see what I'm capable of doing. And that I, I, I grabbed the, I grabbed the mic and I, I was, I was, um, really taking ownership of what I had to offer and not hiding anything or pulling back. So, I mean, that was a lesson to me that, you know, I, you have to be brave. You have to trust your instincts. You have to, um, you know, be fearless in your decisions and go for it. Even if you fall flat on your face in that instance, Mm -hmm. I did not fall flat on my face. I flew Um, and that actually was the song that I ended up singing in my senior showcase. Uh, the senior showcase, uh, happens for a lot of the the top musical theater programs. Um, Mm -hmm. your senior year, you go with your class to New York city and a bunch of, um, industry professionals. So agents, managers come and casting directors come and see you. And from there you get, you are asked to take part in meetings to potentially sign with those agencies or managers or maybe audition for a show that a casting director is working on. Um, okay. And I ended up singing that song uh, and I, I closed the showcase and um, it was just a really strange. And also I did not anticipate I, because of the signaling I had gotten really throughout my life. I, I did not anticipate getting the kind of um, feedback and the, the interest from agents that, that Mm I actually did. And I think it's, um, it's just a very, very funny string of events. And it all stems from me just trusting my gut and just letting go and, um, doing the work, but just throwing the rule book out the window and believing in myself. I have a question on that. Yeah. Did you, from from being around the the people that you were around with and them not seeing you as, as you said kind of like a somebody who would take the lead because it'd never been done right uh, so they they would see you as as somebody that would be not that did that ever limit you in some ways did it give you doubts and be like well maybe I'm not cut out to be the lead maybe it's just everything else absolutely absolutely i mean especially at that age, what your peers think of you and what they say and, and the, the vibe that you receive from your performance does, it, it impacts, it impacts the way that you think about yourself. The roles that your um, professors decide to cast you in or not cast you in also plays a role. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, it d- definitely weighed heavily on how I viewed myself. Um, and that's, that I think is, that's, Unfortunately, I think part of going to a conservatory program, um, mm-hmm. you are uh, you're in a bubble where you know you don't get outside perspective really. And um, so, how did you push forward through that through the 
possible limitation that other people were setting on you? You know, I, um, when I graduated, I became very um, in tune with who my community was going to be and who my tribe is going to be and who are the people mm. who were going to, who, who I wanted to aspire to be like, even if they were not musical theater performance performers, if they were founders of companies, if they were, you know, authors of books, um, women who were maybe South Asian, who were kind of pushing the envelope and doing things that people were not expecting of them. Um, because I mean, as, as South Asians, we tend to go into fields like medicine or IT or law or things that are more traditional and more stable. And mm-hmm. uh, you, gen- you generally don't see uh, too many people, you know, going beyond those parameters. Now you are, which is incredible. But I started to really think about who are the people who are going to push me, who are going to support me, who I'm going to learn from. And, mm-hmm. um, and, uh, you know, I, I made that, I made a very firm decision post showcase. This is it. Nothing is going to stand in my way. I'm going to go after this. I'm going to get a ton of doors shut in my face. It's going to be super mm. painful. And it was, it was for a very, very long time. It still continues to be, um, even after, you know, I found some success. Um, but yeah, it's just this. If no one, if you don't believe in yourself, who will? Yeah. So who did you gravitate to, though, to to get that strength to be able to be like, well, you know what? Yeah, I'm having some shit days, but um, at least I have this person to talk to or this person to uh, to cry on their shoulder or at least just to talk to to get that confidence that we don't always have every day. Absolutely. Um, You know, my uh, my older brother is like definitely an emotional center for me. So, and he has seen me through, um, I mean, the, my early, my early like little show, but performing days to, you know, auditioning <laughs> for, to being dragged to my performances, to auditioning for musical theater programs. He's, he's seen all of it. And he's, he also, um, I remember him saying like, you, you're going to make it your, you're so good at what you do. And hearing that from him when I didn't hear that from anyone else meant the world to me. That's cool. I like it. So I want to talk about your parents because I'm assuming you brought up typically Southeast Asian. So my wife's from Bangladesh, right? And so my daughter's mixed, right? Um, I'm Mexican-American. My wife's Bengali. So I know Southeast Asian parents, they're like, Engineer, doctor. Yes. Did you have a struggle with that with your parents? Did they did they say, you know what, we got your back at the beginning, or how was that? I mean, honestly, it was not it was not a struggle. They they saw something, and they knew in their gut that I should be doing something like this, but they also we're not sure completely how that was going to happen. And there was, there was worry. I mean, like if, if there were South Asian um, people starring in Broadway shows, starring on television shows, when I was growing up, that would have helped a lot. 
in probably easing some of their their own anxiety of pushing their daughter yeah. into this arena where like we don't have any family connections in this industry we don't have uh, we uh, no one knew what to do but you know what they did do was they they helped me you know look at schools and take me to the college auditions um and help you know put together a resume and like a little portfolio on on dvd they did everything that they could as as indian immigrant parents not knowing how any of this works they were also the first ones to send their kids to first generation to send their kids into the american college system i mean there's just so much i'm going to have a much easier time with my kids hopefully than than my parents did where they were really learning from they were they were learning on the job um but no they were they were very very supportive um but i mean they i mean i'm they were worried they're especially um you know, when I was in, when I was in college, I, when I was in high school, I was cast as the lead uh, several times. When I okay. came to college, it became more, even more political. Um, and you know, the, the faculty was not great about using these, the, these educational opportunities to, to try putting a minority in a lead role. That's just, it just was not yeah. top of mind at the time. And it's really unfortunate that that was the case, but because that was sort of the culture to my parents, it, it, it was a little nerve wracking. Like, Oh, my daughter yeah. is not, she's one, maybe not getting cast Two, Maybe she's in an ensemble. What is, is that aligning with what she wants? Like, how is that going to be in the real world, real world? I mean, there are a lot of questions and even post-graduation, um, of course, there were times that they were worried. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, I had to really and have to continue to stick to my guns and uh, go after go after it. You know, what was that that time that you, you finally got that opportunity that you knew well, this is this is this is a big one. Right. What was that one for you? Um. So. Uh, that was that would probably be my Broadway debut. I um, I made my Broadway debut in a show called Natasha Pierre and the Great Comet of 1812. And it was directed by this incredible, incredible director, Rachel Chafkin, who is now a Tony winner for Hades Town. Um, the music it was written by Dave Malloy, and he wrote this just a symphony of a score. I was listening to it the other day and I was like, Oh God, I cannot believe I had the opportunity to sing his music. Um, <laughs> and I, um, I had a feeling in my gut that one, it would be huge for my career, but two, I just loved the piece so, so much. I connected with the character. I connected with the music. Um, the, the movement, it was all stuff that, um, it was, it was all, um, things that I, I knew I'd be able to bring my full self to and that I'd be utilized in the way that I, I know I can be utilized. Um, and yeah, I, I pursued th that role that I ended up getting was actually for the understudy for the lead. Um, but that lead ah. is uh, a monster of a role, Natasha. She carries yeah. the show. Um, so by being her understudy, in such a large production, in an original cast on Broadway, 
really um, gave it gave me a lot of responsibility to, at the drop of a hat, be able to put on the costume and carry a show during That's during. Cool you know, even a stressful Tony season when there are voters in the audience. Um, that yeah. was a huge, huge experience for me. And I think that that changed my life. I, I really think that show changed my life. And, and through that, a cool fact that I learned was that I became the first South Asian female to star in a Broadway musical since Bombay Dreams. That's cool. Which premiered, I think, in 2002 or 2003. So it had been over a decade. Um, and this this role was not specific to being South Asian. The show was very diversely cast. We were all playing, um, we were retelling um, Leo Tolstoy's War and Peace, just a 90-page sliver of that book. And wow. um, I was playing a Russian countess, which is wild. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I mean, that, that show, that show changed my life. And I think it really stretched me as an actor, as an artist, as a businesswoman. Um, I mean, it, it changed my life. And I think I just learned so much from that experience. And I think it has really, um, has, has really helped me navigate my career since then. How did you end up then as Eliza Hamilton? Well, Eliza came about when I was in Grey Comet. How did that happen? Did they just be like, hey, you did a great job. We want to (laughs) cast you for Eliza. Or was it more complicated? No, I mean, it it wasn't like that. So I actually had been seen for uh, what was at the time called the Hamilton mixtape. Back, back, back. Like before Hamilton was on Broadway, the public, all of that. And at the time, um, I was, I was, a little younger and they had not fully fleshed out who the three sisters were going to be. And I was definitely falling more in the Peggy zone than the Eliza zone. And they were Uh. just figuring, they were figuring things out. But, um, the reading, the reading that I auditioned for, for Hamilton mixtape didn't end up working out, but they kept seeing me, um, occasionally just to figure out where I fell. And I don't know, it just, it became very clear that I was an Eliza more than a Peggy. Um, so cool. I, I began being seen for her and having work sessions with Tommy Kale, um, working on the material, working on the music. And that came to me while I was in the Great Comet and at a time when a great comet was under some fire for a casting <laughs> casting decision. I swear, I learned so much. I learned so much from that experience. Um, it was like a social media takedown of the show. So, like, very wow. yes. What year was that? That was twenty seventeen. Oh, so it was like that movement that had started already, which was the uh, everything was starting to get canceled. Yes. Yes. So it was like the show was Mandy, but I was in rehearsal with Mandy Katinkin, who was coming into the show to, to star in it for a period of time. And because of that backlash, he pulled out, Oh my gosh, it was like a whole, it was a whole thing. So while this show is, you know, on this downward spiral, Mm -hmm. I've been going in for, um, I've been going in for Hamilton for final callbacks and I end up getting a call during a matinee performance of The Great Comet from my um, my agent and my manager at the time. And um, 
it was very ominous. They're like, oh, can you, um, we're both on the line. Can you call us when you get a chance? I had a pit in my stomach for the rest of that show. Um, so I found after that show a quiet, isolated place in the theater to sit and have a conversation. I was really nervous. I, you know, I, I've dealt with a ton of heartbreak getting to the very end of a casting process to find out it's not going forward with me. And I didn't know what they were going to say. So I got on the phone, he loops in my manager and they finally told me you're going to be playing Eliza Hamilton in Hamilton. And I just like something went through my body. I was like shaking, so excited. I went outside after that phone call and um, our theater was actually right next to Hamilton uh, at the time. So I like took a selfie in front of it. I went across the store, (laughs) went across the street to the Hamilton store. I took a picture of the hat. I sent it to my dad because our thing is I give him show hats for whatever show I'm in. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, so I sent him the picture, and I was like, oh, like I'm going to send this to you. And that's how he like figured out that I had been cast in the show. Um, so, yeah, it was wild. Uh, and when was that? That was, that was 2017. That was summer of 2017. So middle of 2017, you're going through that, and now how do you get cast for Jasmine? Because Oh, Jasmine happens a little bit later. So I, I, my show, The Great Comet, closes. Okay. A few months later, I start rehearsals for Hamilton. I go okay. out on tour with Hamilton for a year. Oh, in the, throughout the United States, or how does that work? Yeah, throughout the United States, we launched oh. the North American tour. So, I mean, this was at a time when most of America had not, had not seen the show. It was not yet yeah. on Disney+. Plus. It, was, it was isolated, really, to New York. There was a um, production in L.A., in Chicago, but this one was like we were taking it from city to city, all the major cities um, in its first year. So, yeah, I I launched that tour. I was out and around the country for a year, which was one of the best experiences of my life, truly. Um, That's cool. And then when I I, I finished, I, I ended my one year. I decided to not continue because touring is just, um, it's just a lot. It's a lot to keep um, picking up and moving. Uh, the role was a dream come true. Very difficult to do eight times a week, but that wasn't the reason I left. It was more so, yeah. it was more so just, I wanted to feel settled. I was ready for the next thing in my career. Um, I was excited for what else could potentially happen. So I trusted my gut and I believed in myself and I left. Um, and then a few months later, I joined the Broadway company of Wicked, actually. Oh, cool. Yeah, I joined the Broadway company of Wicked as Nessa Rose, who is Alphaba's younger sister, who nice. is um, differently abled. She's in a wheelchair. Okay. So that was a really interesting role for me to play. I've obviously, I've never played a differently abled person. And she was definitely the darkest character I have ever played before. So I got to <laughs> explore cool that side of myself. I yell at some people, um, get some of that aggression out. So that was really fun. Um, and you know what? I was in that show for only a few months when the shutdown happened. So March 11th was my last show at Wicked. 
And um, the next day I got, uh, I actually first saw a deadline article that Broadway was being canceled. I didn't even hear it from my company until like maybe two hours later because everything was just happening so rapidly and to shut down a Broadway show. I mean, it just, it never happens. Broadway shut down for seven, 48 or 72 hours after nine 11, something like that. So for it to be just shut down out of the blue for so long, it's just, it's something that we've never had to deal with before. So, um, yeah, I went from, from doing eight shows a week in the middle of Manhattan to complete like isolation. The industry's closed. We don't know when it's coming back. Um, everyone take care of yourselves. We need to figure things out. Keep taking Mm. care of yourselves, whatever. Um, Well, take me through that part really quick. How, how did you maintain, um, a level mind through that whole process of knowing that everything is shut down? Like, when am I going to get back to work? Am I going to give up on, on this dream for a little bit? What's going to go on? What goes through your head and how do you calm yourself down? Oh my gosh. So many things went through my head. Um, well, when we, when we first shut down, I was relieved. I was relieved that I was, I had the luxury of isolating of my job saying, take care of yourself. We're not going to do this. Stay at home. That's true. And you know, take care of your loved ones. Um, and we'll figure it out. I I was really, I was honestly really, really relieved. I had been hearing about COVID since January. I was the only one really talking about it at work, um, and bringing it to company management's Uh attention early on, um, asking like, Hey, like if this becomes an issue, how are we going to handle it? And it was kind of swept under the rug. Um, and so for me, it was it was a relief. I was feeling a ton of anxiety, just knowing like, I mean, the days leading up to it, the NBA had shut down and so many other things yeah. canceled and Broadway was still going and it felt a little ridiculous to me. So yes, I was relieved. And then of course, as our return date kept getting pushed back and back and back, it became a, oh my gosh, I invested my whole life in this business. And um, you know, TV was also, I mean, I'm also, I, I work on television and film as well, but that was also completely shut down because they hadn't figured things out yet either. Yep. So it was a lot of, um, it's a lot of waiting for some answer of like how we can continue to do the work safely. And that took a while. I don't think, I think some shows started shooting maybe towards the end of summer. Mm-hmm. Like, um, they, like I think Tyler Perry's company had, um, they flew people in and they housed them. They, they had figured something out to, to make sure everything, everyone quarantined for two weeks. Um, but you know, it was, it was really tough. I had to think about rerouting and how I was going to use this time to continue to further my craft and grow personally and stay healthy and active um, and so I, I began producing a lot of my own work in isolation. So, um, oh, it was a really great like time. Yeah. So it was a really great time to work on my own music. So these, I had a ton of projects that I had been working on while I was in the show, but I didn't always have time to bring to fruition. So mm. I finally had the time to, you know, I don't have a show. I don't have a show to go to at night. I'm going to 
throw my full focus into these things and try to push them forward. So that was my own personal music that I wrote, composed, um, orchestrated along with a collaborator, recorded and, um, and released into the world. So, so that was a huge project that was underway. Um, during the pandemic, I also co-wrote a pilot, a TV pilot, about an Indian American girl trying to break into the Broadway industry. So it's obviously loosely based on my life. Um, I nice. co-wrote that with a good friend of mine who works for HBO. And uh, that's cool. We created, uh, we have a treatment for the whole first season of what this show would be. Um, oh, that's neat. Yeah. So that's, that's in process. That same friend also wrote a beautiful film um, about a formative time in our lives as Indian classical dancers. So I know this friend from a, a Bharatanatyam summer camp that I would attend every summer from the time I was like in early high school through college. And so um, obviously a lot happens during that time. I'm very close yeah. to the girls that I went to those, went to those sessions with. So cool. um, she wrote a beautiful film about what that experience was like and the pressures that we felt learning such a such a traditional authentic indian dance form from mm -hmm. gurus that are from that old school indian upbringing and yeah. learning from them while also having these very very american lives um outside so whether that was you know we're learning prayers we're learning prayers and uh, we're praying before we eat at this camp to, we have these secret nice. boyfriends that we're calling on our cell phones. <laughs> from the camp. It's, <laughs> like, cool it's a really, uh, it's, it's a beautiful film. We, we actually ended up shooting a proof of concept for that oh, film nice. over the summer. During, so, during COVID? Yeah, we did it um, over, like over the summer. Yeah. So I love that show, but I love that you, you dealt with, the uncertainty of what was going to happen next with actually doing something with taking action. I love that. Thanks. It was a lot hard. Of people, a lot <laughs> of people miss that. Yeah. It's you know, I think there was, there was this like annoying, I found it annoying, this meme that said, you know, if you don't come out of COVID with a new skill or like a new something, then you've, oh, yeah, you've wasted your time, which like, I, I, I understand, but also it is, it was so, it was so hard to see possibility. And it was like, there was a dark cloud over our heads, at least yeah. I think for our community, for the Broadway community, it was, it was hard. I really, I, I honestly, thank you. I, I really tried hard to continue to push push my life forward uh, in isolation as much as I could. I think something that also really helped to maintain a positive mindset when everything was just way harder to do was write down 20 positives a day in a notebook. Oh, cool. So I'd have my coffee and my yogurt and I'd open, I love, I love notebooks. My life, I, I, I cannot... I, I prefer notebooks over anything digital. There's just something about oh, crossing that. out a task yes. that I have to do with a pen that just is so satisfying to me. So, um, yeah, I'd sit down, I'd open my notebook, fresh page, and I'd write down 20 positives. And that is not easy. You really have to look for them, especially in a pandemic when there's yeah. just bad news galore on the TV. Yeah. And it keeps on, on getting worse media. and it keeps worse. keeps on getting worse. 
And um, I mean, it could be something as mundane as like, I don't know, I, I succeeded in doing, you know, a 45 minute workout yesterday. And I'm proud of myself for that. I don't know. It, it, it could be big things. It could be small things. I, I am trying to be better in general about celebrating the little wins because it takes a lot of little wins to get to the big win. And you, if you that. don't recognize the, the small progress that you're making on the day to day, it's, it's hard. <laughs> At least I that's, am hard. I am hard on myself. So I have no, to that's, be that's active true. about doing that. Look, Joe, you're, you're hacking your, your mind and you're putting at the forefront of your brain and saying, hey, look, look at all the positive things. Now, now you're letting your reticular activating system take over and now filter in more good stuff. So I love that. That's that's exactly what you're doing. So tell me then what happened in between this where you got the news about Aladdin, because I mean, where did that come in? Oh, yeah. So I was uh, the plan was for me to return to Wicked. Uh Opening day was set for September 14th. Um, assuming everything went smoothly with COVID protocols and coming back and all of that stuff. So, so it was like, a, I want to say it was a day in April or May. I got a phone call from my agent saying, hey, um, how do you feel about being a principal potentially in another show? They're looking, they're interested in seeing you. And I was like, okay, what's, what's the show? He goes, oh, it's, it's Jasmine and Aladdin. <laughs> I was like, oh, oh, okay. Yeah. I know that one. Um, <laughs> so yeah, we, we chatted about it and, That's um, cool. you know, uh, I had, you know, the show has been open since 2014. Um, I had, I had, obviously it's an iconic role. I love Jasmine looked up to her so much as a kid. She was the only representation I really had in the media um, growing up. And uh, of course I, I, I would have loved, I, I wanted to play her. Um, but I had, I had some mixed feelings because the, the show um, had historically not done a great job of casting the roles authentically like South Asian or Middle Eastern. Mm-hmm. And so that didn't make me feel great. And you know, the, there, there was a lot of talk while we were down about um, racial justice and systemic racism and kind of making sure that when we're casting shows, they're done in a way that doesn't, sh- that, um, <laughs> doesn't shut the people out that the story is about or that where the story uh, takes place. Yeah. And so I had, I, I, I was kind of like, am I... Am I going to be kind of like the Band-Aid? Like, oh. Oh. She's. Got it. And I hesitate even saying this on the podcast. I feel like I need to be honest. Um, yeah. So it felt, I, I, had to re- I had to think about it. But then I thought, you know what? If, if we are headed in a better direction, if our industry is headed in a better direction in terms of casting things more authentically, giving people of color a moment in the sun, mm-hmm. maybe I can be part of that positive change. So I said, yes, yeah. I'd love to, let's go for it. Well, it makes sense. I think, I think that totally makes sense. I mean, looking back now, I'm sure you're like, I'm glad I did it. Oh right? yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. 
so <laughs> I went through the process. We, I had Zoom, Zoom auditions, Zoom sessions with the creative team, which was That's um, cool. a strange experience not being in the room. Honestly, it was kind of nice. I'm not going to lie. I was barefoot. I didn't have to wear a heel <laughs> until I had <laughs> to go so in cool. in person. And then I was like, oh, no, I don't have any heels in COVID. <laughs> I had to buy some. <laughs> so funny. <laughs> Um, so yeah, they, they were lovely. Um, I, you know, there's something that, there's something about when you're in a callback process and you're, there's some vibe between you and the creatives and it's just working. It just feels right. And you just know, you just know it's the right fit. So that's, I was feeling that way. And, um, yeah, the, the offer came. The offer came for the role. I was delighted. Um, they had me come back in and read with five different guys to solidify okay. the the casting and the right pair. Nice. And yeah, I I couldn't I couldn't share the news for some time, but when I did, it was met with a lot of excitement, especially especially from the South Asian and Middle Eastern community who finally felt like they were being seen and that, that felt really awesome. So I'm really happy that that's cool that it ended the way that it did. And, and yeah, we're, we're bringing, we're bringing the show back in a way that, that I'd wanted to come back. Did the leads all get recasted? No, no. So just, um, so I'm new and the Aladdin is new and he's Asian. So Yeah. That's really awesome. Well, congrats on that. Thank I love you. that. Thank you. Thank you so much. My, my wife and daughter and son are rooting for you. So, Aww. And, and, and so am I. So <laughs> I, I'm excited that the first show's happening and, and that you're adjusting to this. What's your, what, what are you looking forward to on the very first actual show with a live audience? Oh, my God. Out? Um, well, judging from the ways I was at the first performance of Wicked and the first and the opening night of Lion King, um, the audiences were crazy. They were so, (laughs) they were so excited. I mean, every entrance got an applause, every exit got an applause, all of the, I mean, everyone was just so appreciative. There was a standing ovation even before the show started. What am I looking forward to? I think, oh my gosh, the the first few notes that the orchestra plays of the overture, I think, I think are going to be very, very emotional watching the curtain rise for the first time after 18 yeah. months. That's going to be iconic. Um, that is, that's that first bow. Oh my gosh. I got a little, I got a little misty after running the, our first show. We, um, we fly off on a magic carpet <laughs> Yeah. Saying bye to everyone, and I was like, "Oh my god, this is a this is a Disney, this is an iconic Disney show. It's gonna, it's giving <laughs> us, cool. it's giving me all the feels. I feel like they're just gonna be so. You know what? I feel like for me, when I anticipate moments being emotional, mm-hmm. I don't get emotional. The ones, the ones that take me by oh. surprise, are the ones I, okay. I really get emotional. So I, I don't know, I don't know what's gonna do it for me actually. I'm just speculating. All right. All right. Good speculation. I, I would assume Disney's eventually going to record part of it and then put it up on Disney Plus for those that can't see it. Yeah. You know, apparently they had over the pandemic, they actually did that 
for the West End production. They had everyone come in and they got the cameras and they taped the whole thing. But I think it might be at a standstill. I don't know. I don't really know what's happening or if they're going to re-record our cast. I really don't know. Well, they probably should since you're the main one. (laughs) You're the main one, so. Yeah, that would be amazing. I mean, after the success of Hamilton, I feel like, why not inspire some kids and some families at home with live theater? I think that'd be nice to continue to make theater as accessible as Hamilton did. I agree. Well, congratulations on your success. Thank you so much. And I hope Aladdin blows up and even becomes more successful uh, you you know you have a, a good place here with success we'll always root for you as a team so thank you for being on Shoba thanks Tristan it's so great to chat with you those are all the brilliant thoughts that we have for you today if you like what you're hearing drop us a review or just tell your friends this has been a success podcast head to success.com slash podcast to hear more just like it 